This episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which I was lucky enough to head out to Barcelona and see being unveiled at its launch and to chat to athletes like Sharon Nakidi, who won the New York Marathon a few years ago, who does all of her easy and steady runs in this pair of shoes. And then we've set Jess from The Running Channel a very specific challenge to train for 12 weeks for her fastest, hopefully, ever 10K, which is also back out in Barcelona. Yeah, she is loving training in this shoe. And I think it's important as well because we're so lucky we get to test lots of different shoes. But we do know that some people just want that one pair that will do everything. So Jess has been doing her long runs, interval sessions, and she will be tackling the final 10K in the Under Armour Infinite Elite shoes. Yeah, big focus on endurance and a brand new foam, which provides extra energy return and looks after you on even your longest runs. So if you want to know more, head to the link in the show notes. You are listening to The Running Channel Podcast with me, Sarah Hartley, Andy Badley, who loves a bit of track, and Rick... (laughs) <laughs> who doesn't know which way round to run, but likes tracks. Oh, is this the one we did the backward running? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it which way do you run around a track, Rick? Clockwise or anti-clockwise? Mm. Uh, clockwise. Mm. No. Anti-clockwise. Correct. Yeah. Well, Although, going to be the 50, other. 50 chance. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, this episode is everything you needed to know about track running, but maybe we're too afraid to ask. We're going to delve into why, what, where, and how. Yeah, don't be scared. It's really exciting, and it's something that hopefully can help loads of people. So, let's get stuck in. How's your week of running been, Rick? Uh, not too bad. I had a bit of an incident on, on Saturday, though. What happened? Well, I was doing park run, and I've got a new watch. Excellent. And it was just going off permanently that it, people probably thought I worked for NASA. There were <laughs> that many notorious for that, the watch notifications. Honestly, there were so NASA. many notifications, I couldn't actually see how long I'd been running because it was popping up with, you know, heart Did you rate. Turn off? No, it was not no nothing to do with nothing to do with um phone notifications. This was telling right. me my split times, heart rate, oh. max VO2. And I was like, I, I just want to know how long I've been running for. You know, oh, split Rick. times. I was, it was just ridiculous. People were getting annoyed running next to me. That's nothing. And it was vibrating as well. It was flashing. I it was like, like honestly, it was like an ambulance. The ambulance. watch that you've come upgraded from isn't that different like it is still no, relatively- it is Sarah, yeah. seriously i think he's inherited some settings from um, some regular watch users who he, that he clearly doesn't like oh, yeah. I think you've Actually, everything disabled on your old watch yeah i tell you what we use that watch for every running watch metric explained so that's probably why oh, right. the okay, metrics yeah. are popping off but this- i tell you what though you can do a really good data deep dive into that park run i could if i wanted to i just want to know my time <laughs> Well, Parkrun does didn't that for do, you. Oh, yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I just wanted to get to the final corner and go, well, how well am I doing? Oh, no, it's busy telling me that I need to put the washing out. <laughs> I, do, I bet, I bet what, Rick had it on the wrong screen. <laughs> yes, that, I think that's most likely here is it's a user error. Because um, that has the, that has the, I love this screen, but you probably had no idea what's going on. We've got the, like, ground contact time. Oh, it did have ground balance. contact. I was like, I don't need to know that. I really don't need to know it. And it was so hard to figure out what was going on. I, I lost track of my life. I would love like, some I honestly thought there was well, no. I honestly thought there was something wrong with me. I thought it was going to be in the wow. park run news next week. You know, Rick, comma forever twenty nine, comma <laughs> uh, passed out in his park run in North London. What, what one twenty nine? Come on, <laughs> <laughs> and two. Most 29-year-olds are pretty good with technology, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. well, okay, you do, this wasn't technology. This was, you know, satellite engineering oh, going yeah, on here I on mean, my wrist. You're absolutely right. Everyone was thinking you're from NASA because NASA are world famous. For... I tell you what, if you start working for NASA, there's no hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the end of civilization as we know it. Was your weekend quite so exciting? 
Uh, my weekend was good. I did a bit of hill training this oh, weekend, yeah. which was very exciting. I haven't had to do hills for a very long time. So one, I struggled to find them. And two, I struggled to run up them. But it was actually, it was quite good. 30 second hills. I went to uh, a very hilly park, ran up and down, oh, got hell. out of breath, yeah. ran home. Andy, did you do any hill running over the weekend? No, but I've been testing shoes. Um, I've been trying to do these 1K all out time trials, um, which are nearly killing me. So that's excellent. <laughs> nearly. Nearly. Yes, not nearly. Quite. Well, not... I'm still here, aren't I? Just yeah. about. Right. In yeah. spirit, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, not sure I want to be here, but yes, here I am. <laughs> oh, harsh. Oh, oh, my gosh. Shall we go into today's topic? Yes, why not? Which we actually do need you here for, Andy. It's yeah. everything you need to know about track running. So whether you've never run a track before or whether you love track mm. running, we're going to yeah. go through everything here. Yeah, why it could be useful, whether there's some useful track etiquette, like if you're a bit worried about showing up to the track for the first time. Mm. Um, I'm going to start, though, with something that is just pure nostalgia. Like there's something for me this time of year, turning up to a running track, it smells like my childhood. Like mm. like I, I, maybe that's a bit weird, but it, the, the sun baking the, the tartan, the synthetic track or whatever, and the sort of... Often as the what? Fresh, sorry, the tartan is what we would have called it. Oh, not the rubber. I don't think it's made of rubber. Oh, but, really? Okay. Well, it's not tartan. I don't know. It's what you called it. I don't know. All <laughs> right, okay. I was just, I was just no, pulling you not, up. You know. Isn't tartan a pattern or is it a material? That's a really good question. Why it's called tartan? Because it doesn't look like anything. Like, there you go. Maybe there was a manufacturer called tartan or something. I, don't I know, know what you mean though about the smell. Yeah, and often <laughs> intermingled with like sweat. Well, sweat, fresh cut grass, <laughs> deep heat. Mm. Like, oh, yeah. All, yeah. Of, all of these things. Well, Sarah and I went on a track uh, last week at Ifley Road in mm. Oxford. So you describing that actually brings back the smell of last week. Yeah. Well, it, there was that smell plus the smell of six pizzas because we ran a pizza Being consumed. Mile. Oh, gosh. Not really what the track's made for. But no. no. But, but yeah, Ifley Road. Uh, History. Yeah, yeah. Roger yeah. Bannister's first ever sub four minute mile was there in 1954. Yeah, yeah you, um, you, you feel that the history actually, all, all the road names around Ifley Road, yeah. like Bannister Close yeah. and mm. lots of other Oxford University uh, linked roads. And then there's plaques up as you come in. It's an amazing place. It, it feels like it's got history. Pretty yeah, cool trying it. to imagine the whole, because they, they delayed that race and they were waiting for like a flag in the distance. I, I forget what building it was on for a flag to drop. So that the wind drops, so that they could then could go. Nice oh, really? Like and then, oh, yeah, cool. it is a few weeks ago on the podcast, but we talked about, I think we talked about maybe retirement or uh, me stopping running and like yeah. that final race that gave me the closure in my career in order to be like, it's okay, I can stop now. Was that Ifley Road? Oh, really? So I ran 359.3, exactly the same time that Bannister had run for his mile when he set the record. Was it 359? I'm trying to remember. 359.3, 359.4, please don't correct me. Something like that. Um, where, yeah, I ran exactly the same time. Broke four minutes. That felt like good. that's a good time to say goodbye. Well, I mean, that is amazing. But I can confirm that neither Sarah or myself ran th anywhere near 359. Hey, with a pizza in our gob. I uh, ran 359.3 for one lap. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah trying sorry. to run the um, world record 5K pace. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. the same. So let's, let's bring it back to the track. I think one of the most amazing things about the track is, uh, apart from, so my childhood experiences of the track were really positive. Actually, for a lot of people, that's probably not true. It could just have been school sports day or this Yeah, thing, I didn't have the smell you... of uh, tartan. I had the smell of grass with spray painted lines ah, yeah. and trying we, we to evolve. As, as, as well, to be fair. Mm. Uh, we actually had an old weather, old weather pitch um, that was like a gravel and dirt 
mm. thing and it was some like 270 meters long so not even right <laughs> but the best thing about the track is that it's completely controllable it's a set distance you know exactly what you're getting it's flat and broadly most tracks are pretty much the same they do change a little bit in terms of the, the obviously they're 400 meters mm. long but they change some of them are longer and thinner and some of them are have, have longer bends and shorter straights uh, so that can be a bit confusing actually if you go between different tracks because the start and finish lines can look like they're in a slightly different place but most training plans have set distances you might be saying you're supposed to run 800 meter efforts or 1k efforts and going to the track is the easiest and most controllable way to do that because you don't have to be reliant on gps mm -hmm. you know exactly how far it is you can know exactly how fast you're going and you can pace yourself on the way around so it's a really good way of learning a really specific pace because technically i wouldn't necessarily encourage this uh, for any period of time but you could check your time on your watch every 100 meters to make yeah. sure you're running exactly the right pace and that's a good way of learning a pace and then almost once you've done it a few times you can get to the point where you try not to look mm. and try and see if you can just dial in so close to that pace that you can do it maybe check it every 200 meters or just every lap or maybe not check it at all and run a whole 800 meter or 1k round. One thing that's really nice as well is that a lot of watches now have a track running setting yes. as well, which will improve the GPS. If you run a couple of laps, it will then lock into that. So it means that, because there's nothing worse than when you're doing track efforts, you've maybe yeah. programmed that workout into your watch and then your watch is beeping like slightly too long or slightly too short, but actually watches are now so much more accurate for going around. Yeah, that's, that is a top tip that it might sound obvious, but I've spoken to loads of people where they were running K reps in particular, because that's a strange distance on the track, it's two and a half laps, yeah. where they were like, I've got to do eight by a K. So they go to the track because they want to do it on the track, but then they would stop when their watch beeped at a K <laughs> and it would not be exactly. K. So if you're yeah, running yeah, in lane yeah. one, then a K is exactly two and a half laps. You don't yeah. need to worry about it. Uh, but yeah, calibrate your watch first in the track mode. And then that should mean it's exactly accurate. I think you have to run four laps. And then this is something that I still don't fully know. If depending on what distance you're running, mm -hmm. where do you start on the track? I know this is going to be hard to explain. Oh, I'll, I'll go give a bit of weird insight in that. So the 1500 meters, my distance was 1500 meters, which is three and three quarter laps. So the start of the back straight is where I started my races. And I used to treat that as my office when I was like, that's how Andy and I used to talk about it. Like, okay, step into my office kind of thing. Is so, that the 200 meters start line no. as well? No. No, 200 meters is the start of the second bend. Yeah. So if you think oh, 400 right, meters yeah. is the start line, yeah. and then 300 meters to go is where I would have started. 1500 right. meters 300 and then three laps it's written if you look to the side of the track there's yeah. not they're normally oh, written yeah, on there's a little, usually like little, little plaques. metal plaques, metal plaques. Yeah. yeah yeah um so that's just a bit of an aside that i used to treat that as my office so even if i was doing 400 meter efforts mm -hmm. i would still start at the 1500 meter start line because that was where i was going to be racing and so i wanted to get that feeling but that's a bit unusual where do you start starting with like 400 meters yeah you can start anywhere as long as you start and finish in the same place it doesn't really matter but i think it'd be weird to just start halfway down one of the straights so i would normally start at either the 200 meter mark or the start finish line so the 400 meter mark or the zero meters mark um and that would depend on what distance i was doing uh, but quite often recoveries and the amount that you're going to jog in that recovery like i might be doing 1k reps with 200 meter recovery Mm -hmm. In which case it's two and a half laps with two, 200 meters recovery. Mm. So I can always start and finish in the same place. Yeah. But if I had 400 meters recovery jog, then I'm going to be starting, I'm going to be alternating sides of the track every every rep, which is actually quite good because that can help you mix it up mentally. Yeah, but I've done it with 100 meter recoveries off of like 400 meters or 200 meters. And yeah. that's quite nice because then you get like a yeah. little bit and then a new starting place. Exactly. So remembering the track is, is 400 meters, 
if you're not in lane one, the track is not 400 meters. So, I mean- <laughs> Another uh, important point yeah. that uh, James from the running channel <laughs> did yeah, not did know. We did to run as fast as we could. And James was out in lane two or three. I was like, <laughs> run an extra, I don't know, eight meters there. Um, so that's why the, the 400 meter races in the Olympics are in lanes, they are staggered because they're all going to finish at a straight line. But because if you're running in lane eight, you're obviously running a lot further if you were to start at that start finish line. There are other ones as well where it like curves out slightly and then you filter in. Is that right? Yeah, it's called a waterfall start. So um, that's how they'll start the five and the 10K races. Um, and you dive straight into lane one broadly. And that's how you start the mile as well. And you go, you go straight in, you can go straight into lane one from that. You can, but obviously if you cut across everybody, you quite like to fall over. So uh, people yeah, will try and take a sort of gradual line for the, for the corner, which is why the mile is actually one of the most difficult races to start because it's four laps and nine meters. So there's a curved line across the track, nine meters before the finish line. Um, and you start the mile pretty fast, um, but you're all trying to get into a bend in nine meters because you don't want to, everyone wants to be in lane one. So you've got nine meters for people spread all the way out into lane eight to get oh, into I lane see. one. Whereas in the 1500 meters down the back straight, you've got the same curved start line, but you've got a whole hundred meters to sort yourself, sort yourselves out. So when does the curve start change? At what distance does it go to a staggered between a curved and a staggered start? So 800 metres is the, the longest distance that has a lane to start. And in 800 metres, they just run 100 metres, so one bend in lanes, and then they cut into lane one. Oh, I see, so one bend, and then that's when it yeah. goes in. Right, yeah. I understand. For exactly that reason, because if you tried to go straight into lane one at the start line, you just all fall over each other because everyone wants the same spot. Yes. Um, interesting though, when you're a kid, like we did waterfall starts. So we had the curved line start of 800 meters because it'd be like 15 of you in the race. There's not enough lanes. Uh, but that's only up to a certain age that they used to do that. If you are running in a lane that's not lane one, which you might be doing, you just need to take into account where you're starting. So you could easily do 400 meter efforts in lane two or three because you know where the 400 meter start is. It's just the first stagger. Um, Since we're talking about this, can we dive into a little bit of track etiquette as well? Because yes. this was the thing that scared me the most about going to a track is I didn't really understand the rules. And there aren't that many rules, but there are a few that are there, which will one, keep you safe and two, stops everyone getting annoyed at each other. Yeah, it's, it, I would love people not to be intimidated by the track, but mm. I'm, I, can, I know that it, it is. So it's an incredibly welcoming place. All of the athletics clubs that I've ever been involved in are awesome. But at the same time, there's a fair bit of assumed knowledge. Yeah. So yeah, lane one is for running hard. Never jog, warm up, cool down in lane one. That's the simplest piece of like track etiquette. Um, and lane one is the closest to the inside, the yeah. grass bit. Yeah. 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 So that's that that one right on the, the rail. So that's the one that is 400 meters all the way around. Yeah. Um, that's that's the, that's the most important thing. Um, there's a it's not controversial, but there's a there's a rule on the track where you can shout track. So if you're in a hard effort, and it doesn't matter how hard your hard effort is, by the way, this is the most important thing. It doesn't matter how fast you are. If you're doing what is your effort, so your 10K pace, marathon pace, whatever, you're not on a recovery jog and you're not doing a warm up. Mm -hmm. So you're doing your hard effort. Then you have right of way on the track, regardless of how fast you are. That would be my opinion. Um, so if you're doing your hard effort and you're in lane one and someone's kind of, they might have finished a rep, finished an effort on the track and they're kind of on their hands and like they've got their hands on their knees because they're they're trying to breathe and get it get mm. in get in some air or like that happens quite a lot um or someone's wandering across the track because they've just cut across the infield um which again you shouldn't really do because people could be throwing stuff across the infield um but you might have put a bag down somewhere and just be not paying attention then the correct shout is track to let people know that you're coming and then people should get out of your way where this is controversial mm. is if you're faster than someone else but that other person is in lane one doing their own hard effort 
in my very strong opinion, you should never shout track at that person, but people do because they're I thinking, see. they're thinking, I'm fast and you, I've got the right of way. But I would say it's your job to go around that person. You know, if that person's just jogging, they're like literally, they've come to the track to run their easy run and they're doing You're lapping. hundreds of laps. Yeah. They shouldn't be in like okay. One. Uh, but, but everyone has the right to train on the track. And like I have in the past been training on a relatively quiet track where people were milling around and doing their own workouts. And I was doing something so specific, like a coordinated time trial with multiple pacemakers and stuff like that, that we gave the other coaches and the athletes a kind of heads up that I was going to be doing that in lane one because I was going to be running at my absolute max and therefore adjusting to go around people at the last minute if they tried to, because that can be quite unpredictable if you're going all out mm. and it's mm. on, I know it's on me to go around someone, but they kind of hear you coming and they think they're going to let you through, but you don't know that they don't know you're going to let you through. They might move out into lane two as I move out to get around them. Yeah. So that's the only reason that I would have given them a heads up. I see. But this makes it sound way more complicated than it is. You've got every right to be in lane one if you're running at your hard effort. Um, if someone's in your way and they're not running, then shout track just to give them a heads up that you're coming. Yeah. Um, otherwise, do everything else in the, the more of the outside lanes. What about when it comes to the benefit of going to run at a track if people are listening to this and thinking, well, I just go out, I do five, 10K a week. What, what am I going to get that's extra by going to a track compared to just doing my normal trail running or whatever? We've recently talked about paces and the variety of different paces that you can run at. So if you're someone that feels one paced, like you feel like I just have a pace that I run at and I don't think I can go very fast, then the track is, is the ultimate place to disprove that because you, could just, you can time yourself for a start really accurately. Um, and you can practice by just running 100 meter strides um, and be like, well, I know I can run for 5K, so I'm just going to go and run 100 meters hard. And I'm going to do it a couple of times and time myself and then do the maths. And be, you know, I think you'll find straight away that even if you're, if you're running, it doesn't matter what you're running for 5K, 20, 25, 30, 35 mm. minutes, you can work out what that is per 100 meters. Then do 100 meters and you'll find that you'll be able to do it a lot quicker. And all of a sudden that shows you that, oh, my legs can, I've got, I've got gears here. I can do, I can do more. Um, and then the other benefit is understanding paces more like the, the overall pace so if you want to know you've been you're following a training plan to run a 5k pb or a 10k pb mm. and you want to go down and run exactly that pace and not be just not be surprised on race day that you didn't get it exactly right because gps wasn't quite right when you've been training mm. the track is the way to find out exactly what it feels like yeah i i love it i think it takes all of the thinking out of i've done interval sessions off the track and on the track and on the track it just allows you to switch off only think about the pace get think about all of the bits that can trip you up on race day pacing your like mentality and actually being able to hit that pace and stick with it spending time out on the track I love it it becomes meditative because you don't have to think about stopping for traffic lights or looking at fields yeah. or oh, hey. nothing wrong with looking at fields <laughs> or, yeah. or, or like the terrain it's just it's great I love it and also I think we had our run club a few weeks ago. We had Jack Rowe with us and one of his biggest pieces of advice for like getting and trying to improve your running was running with other people. And mm. if you if you don't know anyone who else who runs, even just going down to the track can have a huge difference because you're seeing other people go through the motions of an interval session or a hard workout. If you go along in the evenings, I go on either like Tuesdays, Wednesdays or Thursdays and there are always clubs there as well. So it's a really great environment to be in the same way as park run. You surround yourself with runners. It feels better if you want to take that into people like trying to run fast and improve. If you go down to a track where there's other people trying to improve, it just massively for me elevated my running. We also 
we've talked about it recently that, that if you were looking about, so in fact, last week's podcast was about can you improve your running form? Mm-hmm. If you are interested in doing what we recommended, which is filming yourself running or having someone film you running, the track is so controllable. You're not you're not thinking, oh, my knee was doing that because I'm on any uneven ground. Um, yeah. You've got a perfect straight line, beautiful flat surface, and somewhere to you know set up a, yeah. set up your phone or something. Good place for testing out a pair of race shoes as well. If uh, you if you don't get on with them after one lap, you can go back to your bag and take them off. Yes and no. So that's an interesting one. <laughs> oh. oh really? Well, because I don't like running in super shoes on the track. Oh, oh why not? Yeah, interesting. Because I find it very difficult to go around the bends. The super shoes are inherently quite unstable. Often I bang on about that. Um, so you might find that it's quite difficult to to run the bend. Bends aren't super tight and it does depend on how fast you're running. But the faster you go, I think the harder I find it to to run around a track in, in the really aggressive super shoes because they're so soft. But if you are taking on a race that has a lot of switchbacks, then might be a good opportunity to test some cornering. Uh, in how, how often are you running switchbacks? You like doing uh, the Tour de France? No, no, I saw... Okay, maybe not complete switchbacks, but I saw um, there was a 10K that happened in London recently and I was looking and my Strava was just filled with people who had done this race and there were it was a lot of like down this road turn and then on, it was uh, quite yeah, windy, yeah. so... Yeah, bear that in mind. Yeah. Um, but I, and it's you said meditative, but it can also be challenging. So it's a mm. if you can run... So it blew my mind that you could do it. So kudos to you, Sarah. Like this is unusually nice of me. Um, last year we did the Breaking 45 um, video experience where you were trying to run under 45 minutes for 10K mm. um, on the track, Yeah, on your own. Terrible I mean, we decisions. had a few of us pacing you. I had you with me for yeah, the last yeah. little bit. You were loving life. Um, <laughs> but that that is very mentally tough. So yeah. so it's another, another thing that I think the track has going for it is that, it can really help with your mental toughness. Mm. Like if you can knock laps over, knock laps off, tick them off at a certain pace, get into that rhythm. Um, there's, a, there's a real element of mental toughness that it builds as well. Yeah, I love it. Especially if you go to the same track loads. Like I know Battersea track so well now from yeah. that challenge. And I know my little, I come into the back straight, I look up and I have a tree that I look out for that yeah. straight. Then I turn a little bit more and fix my eyes on that. It's, it's great. I love it. Can I just check? When you said about super shoes being so unstable on the mm. bends, does that mean when you're watching international competition on the track that a lot of those professional athletes will not be wearing super shoes? They're all wearing spikes. Ah. So the, the, <laughs> there we go, the pennies dropped. But even then, ah. even then there's, an, there's an incredible, some, look like Google this if, if people haven't seen it, there's some either footage or shots of Joshua Cheptegei, 5K world record holder, men's 5K world record holder, running on the track in, they have super spikes now, so they are different to what I used to run in. Um, and so they have thicker soles. And he's totally collapsing off the inside of his spikes. Mm. Like, so, so the same thing really, you do, when you're running at that pace, really fast, and, and you you are putting a lot of kind of twisting, sideways lateral motion onto the shoes that you're wearing. Um, in fact, I know that at really, I don't think they do it anymore, but at various points in history, there have been spikes where the, the brands have designed them asymmetrically for the really fast runners, like for the 400 meter runners. So the, because the outside, your right foot is doing a different amount of work around the bends to the left foot. Wow. Um, so yeah. But I, I need that, that just people, for all the road. <laughs> oh no, I honestly need that for the roads in the UK. Yeah, potholes. Yeah, and the runoff. Yes. Yeah, yeah. when you get a camber, there's nothing worse, is there? Yeah. Well, you're listening to the Running Channel podcast. Up next, we've got news stories plus your questions to discuss.
Don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Shoes. Now, at The Running Channel, we bang on all the time about how if you want to run fast, you need to run slow. I'm talking about the 80-20 rule. Yes, you need to do the vast majority of your training at an easier or steadier pace. And you need an everyday pair of running shoes that you trust to do that. And the Infinite Elite has brand new cushioning technology in the form of Under Armour's Hover Plus. So that's designed to support you for the whole of even your longest runs with extra cushioning and energy return. So that's what this is all about. Yeah, and if you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes. So it's almost question time, but first up, we pick a news story. So Sarah, what have you got from us this week? I want to talk about some news from Park Run. Oh yeah. Um, so we all know Rick loves a Park Run. Yes, he does. Absolutely. Bangs on about it. Park Run have recently discouraged people from taking on specific challenges that mean that they have to turn up at specific events on a specific day. So if you don't know the kind of inner working of Park Runs, often the people who are there supporting you, putting on the event are yeah. all volunteers. And so Park Run has asked people that if you are thinking about taking on challenges that mean that loads of extra people are going to be descending on a specific Park Run on a specific day to not do it because they can't basically... Staff it. They can't staff it. They can't predict that happening. It doesn't mean... So there are challenges like um, Alphabet Park yeah. Run where sometimes it, there aren't that many park runs that begin with the letter Z. So that one is a bit swamped, but yeah. genuinely that's okay because everyone's doing it at different times. Yeah, they're doing it at their own pace. Yeah, but there are some specific challenges. For example, Nelson numbers, uh, which is where you go to park runs with the multiple 111. I'd never heard of a Nelson number before. What's, what does it mean by a multiple of 111? I oh Sarah, where's the research again? Uh, this is as much detail as I had. So I had Nelson numbers <laughs> where the park run, now. where the number of park run is a multiple of 111. So I'm guessing if it's park run 111, or I if it's park, park run had numbers. 222. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's part of the introduction on a Saturday morning. They'll Good morning, what? everyone. Welcome to park run number 95. Yeah. Okay, this is beginning to make more sense. So <laughs> Nelson so numbers. Is it 95 every week. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. Sorry. As in for that specific park oh, run. Right. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. for example, I thought, like... I thought you meant that like, because Bushy Parkrun would therefore be number one because it was the first one. No, no, oh, it would no, be no, no, no. how many parkruns have taken place in that park. Oh, yeah. So for example, another one is there's a Fibonacci... I'm familiar with the Fibonacci club. sequence. Yeah. yeah. So next year, I believe yeah. someone said that Bushy Parkrun is going to have three Fibonacci numbers within like... I don't know, wow. three or six I see, period. okay. So, so this, this makes sense. This is very also, niche. I'd there's thought. also prime I can't numbers as well. that many people. Are, are well, it's well. becoming real. Like parkrun tourism is huge. Yes. Like I have never been to a parkrun where there hasn't been at least one person from we, Australia we, <laughs> winning we, the tourism. We do bang on about it. And I know that I think one of the questions we're going to get to later actually talks about this, but, but it's, the, there are specific countries where parkrun is huge. The UK being one of them, Australia, mm -hmm. South Africa. It's spreading across Europe, not so much in the US right now. These are the free 5K runs every Saturday morning, broadly at 9am, roughly that time. Yeah. 9.30 in Scotland. Yeah, and different times in Australia because it's hot. I think that's a really intriguing story because our parkrun is in London. And for some reason, we only get 158 people every week. But then every... Uh, I think mainly on, you, on, keeping on, the number on, down. On, on average. Uh, and <laughs> but then every now and again, we have like 258. Yeah. So it's because of this kind of parkrun tourism. Yeah, so yeah, I can yeah. kind of understand why they're doing it. Same yeah, with like... Surge, it makes it very difficult to deal with. Yeah, the same with like, there are a few like inaugural 
um, people like turn up for an inaugural event yeah. of Parkrun. But it, please do be aware that it's volunteers putting it on and they're not going to be necessarily mm. expecting you. So just yeah. be kind, respectful. It's yeah. a really lovely event. Yeah. Awesome. Andy, what you got? Sorry, absolutely nothing. So whilst I'm abusing Sarah for not having <laughs> prepared with the full data so I know what's going on, um, I actually, uh, I don't think any news has happened in my world. I've been head down, focused on testing super shoes, running a marathon maybe at some point, which feels further away uh, than it could possibly yeah. ever be. Um, so you're I don't have any on, news. Uh, you're actually off on holiday soon. How much running are you going to do then? A lot. I'm going to try and run three times a week for the two weeks that I'm away. But also, very excitedly, that means that next week we've got a very special guest presenting uh, the podcast alongside Sarah and Rick. Oh, I don't think I know yes. this. Which is a great point. Email in podcast at com if you would like to ask a question to Philly Bowden, who oh, will be nice. our guest host for next week's podcast. She is... She ran an incredible time at Copenhagen Marathon earlier this year. Yeah, under 2.30 for the marathon. So yeah, she's um, definitely more experienced at marathon running than me. <laughs> she she uh, documents all of her experiences on her YouTube channel as well. So we're really excited to have her, I say join us, but I won't be here. So no. uh, I'm hoping that you'll let We've me come back again. We've yeah. upgraded for the week. And we we oh, are going to have to rip him pretty hard for the next you know, yeah, yeah, few yeah. minutes because we can't really take it out on her, can we? No. No. So be don't nice. worry. Welcome to question time where we rip into Andy for two weeks worth. Well, you are listening to the Running Channel podcast and up next we have got your questions. So we're going to kick off with Lydia from California. How exciting. Ooh. Oh, Rick's so excited. Look at him. He knows well, not only international, but, you know, they've told us where they're they've from. They've told us where they're from. Mm -hmm. um, and she's got some really good questions as well. Are compression socks actually good for recovery? And what's the difference between US and UK running culture? There aren't nearly as many park runs in the US compared to the UK, but can you tell me a little bit more about the differences? I mean, Andy, you've ran quite a bit in the States. What yeah. jumps out at you uh, as, as how our running cultures differ? The biggest experience that, that I had that was different was that so I, arguably, I mean, I shouldn't say this, but I preferred racing in the US. Um, so th there was just a really different attitude to time. Um, so I would race in the US and win, or, you know, I, I won a few races, for example, out there. And then people would be absolutely buzzing. They'd be like, oh man, great race. Like, I'm not going to try and do an accent. They, they'd, be, they'd be celebrating with me yeah. for having competed. And actually they would celebrate me with, with me even if I didn't win. If, if, if I ran a good race, that was what it was all about. Um, and then I would come back from the US and be in, and, and I'll admit this is from my experience in those kind of elite running circles. So it, this might not apply across the board. But then you come back to the UK and I would have won this race. And the first, the first I, I, I had, they said, how'd you get on? I was like, oh, I won. And they're like, no, 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 but how fast did you run? <laughs> and then I'd say what time I'd run. And they're like, oh, like, was it, did they not have pacemakers or? Do you not feeling great? Or was it not like, you know, people judging you immediately on the time? I was like, no, it's literally the point of the race was to win. Like it was tactical. I ran a good race. Why aren't we celebrating that? And and this, but that and that was not a one-off occurrence like that. That would happen quite a lot. There'd be a lot of Was there sarcasm though, though? No, no, absolutely not. No. No, it was um so that was that was and this is a while ago as well, but but that was my experience, weirdly. Like there's this really joyous celebration at the elite end in, in the US of competition. Um and then you'd come home to the UK and it was a little bit more downbeat and all about chasing times because so often that is what it's about. Like you have to run fast to qualify for certain races and then to be able to run at the British Championships yeah. or the Olympics, you have to run a qualifying time. So often you are pursuing that time. And I was, I'd got to the point in my career where I had the luxury of 
often having the qualifying time or knowing that I was going to be able to run it and therefore could race sort of tactically elsewhere to try and prepare for the championships. Mm. Um, so yeah, different experience, but I really enjoyed the, that kind of just overwhelming positivity in the US. I don't know. And like, I've been in New York for the marathon as well. And, and people are wearing their medals around the, the set, the city center for the whole week, not just like the day of. The yeah. Marathon. Yeah. This is what I would say. Anecdotally, I have only seen the difference in marathons between UK and US. I would say UK marathon atmosphere is very good. Like London marathon oh, yeah. day, spot Unbeatable. on everyone, like everyone I rallies agree. together. There's a similar, I would love to compare a US park run to a UK park run. Yeah. Um, Cause I haven't, I haven't compared those, but what I will say about marathons in the US are another level like Boston marathon. Like you say, people wet, wore their medals for weeks and days afterwards. Where in the, whereas in the UK, I feel like it's a, okay, you can wear your medal for the entire day of London yeah. marathon have your free travel. Have your free yeah. travel, and then that's it. You're I think done. that's that's just not just running though. That's kind of just culture in itself. Like British yeah. people are tend to be a bit more shy when it comes to boasting about their achievements. Yeah, but that's what I love about if you talk to runners in America, they are so proud. Yeah, and it and it's incredible. And I think actually, the UK could do with a bit of that. They're, they're also like, proud on your behalf, right? Yeah. Like, like you'll you'll be a total stranger in the, yeah, in, the nice. in the street three days after the marathon, and you see, and someone will be wearing a Boston Marathon jacket or medal or something. Yeah. And then the the people in the street are just like, like literally shouting across the road, like, "Hey, great job!" Like, like just just saying that's an incredible thing. Yeah. yeah. And, but Lon London is is next level. So I was my experience, like I said, is very much about the time chasing culture of, mm. of potentially British high end athletics. So. That's um, what I loved about when uh, we hosted mile 27 at London marathon this year, mm. or we had like a little pop up um, that people could come to after they'd run. That was all about someone turned up at the door with their medal on and everyone went crazy. I feel the like positivity we, there was next level. Yeah, it was yeah. so good. We need yeah. more of that. And um, compression socks, do they work? If you think they work, then they work. Broadly, this is the, the, I used to run in compression socks, uh, do hard sessions in them. And I felt that, so that was, that was slightly different because I wasn't putting them on directly afterwards for compression recovery. I was doing both. Sometimes I was running in compression sleeves or socks to try to reduce the impact on my calves. And then I would travel in or wear slightly different recovery socks or tights afterwards. And I felt that they worked and therefore that had an, that was an important part of my process to, to stay recovered. I will always wear compression socks before and after races if they are abroad personally because my legs even on even if i'm not running Flights. will swell up on a flight yeah right. agree certainly if you're flying long haul that, that's a, mm -hmm. a pretty key part of both preparation and recovery i would say and just one more point from lydia she says you should also do more on nose breathing i love it yes i started a few months ago and it takes a while to get used to but i can now nose breathe for all my runs apart from time trials and sprints what? My husband just did a mile time trial also after a few months of nose breathing and got a 740. So it's possible. Right, I mean, who go, are Rick. these people? Well, she must have well-endowed nostrils as she, you described them yeah. last, last week. <laughs> Rick, here's your challenge. Uh, what, to beat 32 seconds? Out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, clear your nose out and try to beat 740 in a mile. No, thank you. But Lydia, it's been <laughs> lovely to hear from you. Yeah, thank you, Lydia. Excellent yes. question. So don't forget to email into podcast at therunningtown.com if you'd like any of your questions answered. And if you've got any questions for next week's host, Billy Bowden. Yeah, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks, Andy. Brilliant. Happy holidays. Thank you very much. <laughs> see you soon. Bye.
This episode was brought to you by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which has a focus on both comfort and endurance. So an ultra springy, responsive feel that protects your legs and keeps them feeling fresh, which is what Jess has been putting to the test as she's been training for over the last 12 weeks for taking on her ultimate ever 10K. And she's been focused on consistency. So being able to show up with those fresh legs every day and every week in order to put in the work and the recovery that she needs to do to run her best. If you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes.